Welcome to a special mini episode of Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato, and joining me this episode to explore the mystery of the 1988 Ruby Spears Superman cartoon is returning guest, Rich Roney. Hello, everybody. Thanks for having me back. Just as with the Superman 2000 pitch, uh, we did an episode on that uh, a little while back on Digging for Kryptonite, and that episode was born out of you sending me a link to the full pitch and, and me saying, oh, we have to do an episode on that. Similarly here, uh, we're doing this little episode because a little while back, you sent me a, a link to an article on, on the sci-fi website that counted down the top uh, Superman television adaptations. Um, and this was in advance of the premiere of, of the new Superman and Lois show. And I appreciated you sending me the link. And, you know, I read the article and I was going through. I didn't agree with their rankings, but that's neither here nor there. But as I was going through, uh, you know, of course, I recognized all of the entries until I got to, uh, I don't know if it was number four. I forget where it fell on the list. No, it was probably, probably lower than that. But, uh, but yeah, this 1988 Ruby Spears cartoon. And I, I, I stopped dead in my tracks. And I was like, what is this? What was your reaction when, when you saw that on the list? Exactly the same. I mean, I, I forget how I found that. And I think I sent it to you like at, like at 1230 in the morning or something like that. Um, but I had the exact reaction you did. All the ones on the list, I think there were like 15. And I recognized all of them. And then I saw that thing in 1988. And it was like I, I drove a car going 60 miles or over a speed bump. I had never, I never, I didn't even know that one existed. So I was very intrigued. I was tremendous. Of the whole list, that was the only one. And then I was stunned when you said you had the same reaction. And that's the thing. And I, I have a suspicion that people listening to this might be similarly surprised to learn of this cartoon. There might be others who were like, what's the matter with you guys? Of course, you know, of course, the 1988 Ruby Spears cartoon. I don't know for people listening or watching. I don't know where you fall uh, on that spectrum. But, you know, for me, I, I was again, I had no no idea that the show existed. And, you know, as I've said, you know, I said this in the first episode of this podcast and I'll continue to say it. I don't consider myself, I'm not an expert, and it's not that I know everything about Superman, but I was surprised that I didn't know this existed. Like, obviously, I haven't seen every episode of every Superman adaptation. I haven't read every Superman comic, but I at least thought I knew that they existed and what they were. So to come across this cartoon that I had I had never heard of before was very surprising, but that's why this podcast is called Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey. Like this is a journey that I'm going on and I'm learning. And this, this was very educational. And <clears throat> well, here's my quick reaction. And I want you to, to use your words, let you unbundle it and unpack it. But so just like yourself, I was stunned. I Googled it to learn a little bit more about it. And I think it only ran for like 13 or 14 episodes. It was, it was just one finite season. But there was a wealth of fascinating stuff I learned about it. Like, like you said, they, they combined so many um, prominent elements from other series. Wait, now, have you, you watched? John William yeah, I, 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 yes, I definitely, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I was just, I'm, I'm dying to know, did you end up watching any of these? No, I, okay. I, all I did was watch the intro. Uh, uh, 
I've just had a rough week. I meant to watch one or two, like the first one I think you watched. Yeah, so I ended up watching but, three of them. Um, and I, I might end up watching more. So, uh, but you hit, you hit on, I think why this is, uh, a lesser known <laughs> entry in the Superman canon. It only ran for 13 episodes in the fall of okay. 1988. Where were you in the yeah. fall of 1988 in your life? Uh, I was working in Michigan. I was out in Lansing, Michigan. Uh, and, and I have to be candid. Well, I was probably 33 years old, something like that. Uh, 33 years old. Uh, Sunday morning animated cartoons were not high on my list. You know, kind of working on Friday night's hangover was uh, my primary thing on a Saturday morning. Um, but if I may, uh, two things I want to say, and then I want you to challenge and, and, and question and let's converse. The two things that went through my mind, are one, I loved how they tapped into prominent elements from former series. Like they had the John Williams music. They had the intro to the adventures of Superman, the whole, that whole like 30 second intro, mild mannered reporter. Um, and then the other thing, this was from a timing standpoint, just after John Byrne did the man of the man of steel, he, he kind of uh, dusted all the rust off and he went back to basics and there was a lot – I could remember being in comic book stores in East Lansing where people in the stores were talking about Byrne kind of revising, uh, revitalizing Superman. So there was a lot of buzz about the John Byrne retrofit. Um, that was, Again, I admired them for tapping into those elements, the music, the intro. And they, they, I think that really lended uh, just a, a fantastic pedigree to this. What stunned me is that it only ran for 13 episodes because I thought this had such a recipe for success. I mean, you had it on CBS, which is they had a long history with Superman. You know, they, in the 1960s, they had three or four seasons of Filmation Superman t comic, uh, cartoons. You had uh, Ruby Spears, which was like the preeminent uh, production company. And then you had some great creative talent between Marv Wolfman and Gil Kane. And if you would, and you had the burn, the whole burn element with the, there was a lot of buzz. So if I had to bet money, I would have bet this, this horse to win the race. I was just surprised it only lasted for 13 episodes. It, it is really surprising. And you and I had spoken about this off mic because it's exceedingly rare for a Superman project to, to have that short of a run to, to fail. I mean, that, that quickly, you know, I mean, most recently there was that Krypton show on sci-fi, which I've not seen, but I will be watching for this podcast probably next year. But uh, that, that ran two seasons and that got canceled. Um, so, you know, that's, but even that was two seasons. I mean, you know, one 13 episode season <laughs> is very little for a Superman project. So yeah, it only aired in the fall of 88. Um, so I, I had a similar reaction. So I watched, I think before anything, I watched just the opening credits on YouTube. Oh, and let me let me lay this out for anyone who's really curious. So if you want to watch any of this cartoon, the opening, the, you know, the opening sequence is on YouTube. There might be some clips from episodes. I'm not sure. But uh, there is a DVD set of the complete series uh, that that is still readily available, I believe. Uh, you can also buy the episodes digitally on Amazon Prime. 
Look, I sound like I work for Warner Brothers. I, I get no <laughs> cut of this. I'm just, in case anyone really wants to know where they can where they can find it. And then actually the way I watched was on the streaming platform Tubi, uh, which is a free ad-supported streaming platform. And they have licenses for, for a, a whole host of shows. And I couldn't believe that they had this, but they do. Oddly, they're missing two episodes, and I couldn't tell you why they're missing those two, but they have 11 out of the 13, and I watched three of them. So among these various sources, like if you want to watch any, you certainly can. Um, it's, my impression of it is, you know, it's an 80s kids cartoon, so I think, you know, you have to go in with realistic expectations, but within those parameters, I actually thought it was a, a relatively strong entry. I mean, of the three that I watched, you know, was I engrossed by it? No, not necessarily, but I found it entertaining in its own way. And it was especially fascinating sort of as this historical artifact more than anything else. The historical perspective was really interesting to me. Uh, I, I really felt like I was discovering something and I don't think we're alone in not knowing about this because, you know, over the years, you think about all the articles we've read or books or, you know, documentaries, special features on, on Superman sets and things like that. And I, to the best of my recollection, this has never come up. So I, I really think this, this is a, you know, a pretty under the radar for the Superman canon, but I echo everything you said. That was my, my first impression watching even just the opening credits was you get a rearranged version of the John Williams score from Superman, the movie. It's not, again, it's not a hundred percent, but it definitely uses a lot of those elements and it. it really calls to mind that Williams score. Uh, you do get the narration that they used in the George Reeves Adventures of, of Superman show. Um, and like you said, this was, I believe, the first anything uh, an adaptation post Burns uh, revamp. So, you know, you got to see elements of that in the show. It's not fully the Burn version, though, which was interesting. And I saw this as I was watching the episodes, like the Clark that they show us in this series is very much the like bumbling weak Christopher Reeve version. Oh, the it's, Silver Age. Yeah. So they, so again, it, it really is this amalgam. Uh, so you, uh, so you do have that version of Clark, but I think where you see the biggest influence of Byrne is in its depiction of Lex Luthor. So the Lex in this is and the billionaire industrialist. He's not the mad scientist. And I did, uh, through Google and I saw some images, uh, I I did listen to the intro, and like you said, the 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 Williams music, it's very reminiscent of the 1977 Superman movie. But they, like you said, it seemed to have Clark in the Silver Age blue suit with the white shirt and red tie. Um, I will say, the other thing that really surprised me is I read that Marv Wolfman was like the... Uh, what would you call it? The showrunner? Yeah. Or he was like, he was the, like the head writer. He, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then Marty Pasco wrote some episodes. <clears throat> and um, two things I'll say. On the DVD set, they clearly have a burn image from Man of Steel, kind of as the big image on the front of it. But I saw a number of depictions that uh, Gil Kane, and you know I, I love Gil Kane as an artist. Um, he did a lot of the layouts and, and, uh, formats and prototypes and, and i could definitely see his influence in some of the animation i could tell as him but here you had these two beams marv wolfman and um gil kane both were very very recognized so they really did bring in some good creative talent i don't have any science for this 
But those guys must have thought, hey, we've hit the mother load. CBS, <laughs> Ruby Spears. We've got three or four years, you know. Uh, so those, I mean, to, to kind of vanish after 13 episodes, especially with that that creative talent is a surprise. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, it, it really did have a strong pedigree. I mean, the fact that you had those comics creators involved. Um, the other thing that really stood out to me, and I, and I, I do give them a lot of credit because this, I, I was surprised to see this aspect, but I loved it. It's actually my favorite part of the show. I, I, so, I think I know what you're going to, can I? Yeah, the, fa- talk about the family little- album. Yeah, the Superman yeah. family yeah. album. So, uh, you know, each episode runs like, you know, 22 minutes or so. And But the last four or five minutes are reserved for these flashback vignettes to Clark's early life. And they basically go in order. Uh, so, you know, the first episode is the Kents initially bringing Clark to an orphanage uh, and then ultimately deciding to adopt him when he flies from the orphanage. Uh, to the Kent farm. <clears throat> so that's another instance where they deviated from burn because this Clark has his powers from infancy. Uh, from the moment he he arrives on earth, he's flying around and he's causing mischief. And, and again, I didn't watch all of them, but you know, in one of the later ones, we see uh, a little Clark uh, with his babysitter kind of, uh, you know, putting her through the ringer. He's, he's flying around the house and, you know, sneaking back into the kitchen to get cookies and, and, and stuff like that. We see him in class uh, in, in a later one. So it really tracks Clark's progression. The, you know, the idea of Clark with powers as a baby and as a toddler is not my preferred version of the character. I mean, I much prefer the, the version where his powers emerge during adolescence and it's really tied you know, to, to that development and those formative years, I think it's more interesting, but they're very cute and fun and funny little vignettes. And I think just the fact that they incorporated that was really pretty cool. I agree. I thought that was very inventive. I thought that was very creative and it, it, it added another layer, right? Uh, so whoever came up with the idea of let's carve out these last four minutes and kind of show his growth from an infant to, I don't know if he ended in college or high school or what, but I do remember reading one of them was uh, Clark taking a driver's test, uh, getting his, you know, having a a learner's permit and then getting his driver's license. So whoever came up that, I I salute them. I thought that was very inventive. Yeah, for sure. Um, I actually did skip ahead and I watched the last one and it's Clark making his debut as Superman. So they really track from Uh. baby you know, to, to, again, to uh, becoming Superman. And, you know, I, I really do give them credit because at least in most of the ones that I saw, except for the last one, there's no action, you know, and this is a kid's cartoon, but they really took the time to tell these little, these little vignettes. I really thought that was cool. Uh, so, and uh, yeah. I can't think of any other, and, and we both, your poor listeners are probably sick of hearing me talk about <laughs> Superman, No, but we've, We've really thoroughly analyzed this. I can't think of anything else. You know, maybe now and then um, uh, some of the comic books in the 70s or early 80s um, where they did the adventures of Superboy. But even that, he was at kind of, he had the same height of powers as he did when he was Superman. And, and I'll share this. As a child in the 60s, I read tons of DC both Superman and Superboy, but the only thing that even even when I was like ten or twelve years old, I never felt Superboy was at risk from Kryptonite because here, <laughs> like to it you know, on my desk, 
I had a Superman in action comics, right? So I, I figured he kind of made it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I know I've mentioned this on another podcast, and and I plan a pretty deep dive into Superboy and the various versions of Superboy for like next year at the earliest on the podcast. So it's a way out. But yeah, I, I do generally just kind of have an objection to the idea of Superboy um, as, just as a threshold matter. But anyway, uh, but yeah, so the vignettes were really cool. I, I again, I watched three of them. Uh, and the ones that I watched were, were two out of the three were very Lex centric. One of them, the premise, <laughs> the, again, it was entertaining. I watched, like I watched them like when I was on the, the bicycle and it was like, it helped me pass the 20 minutes and it was great. One of them was, uh, Lex buys, <laughs> Lex buys the great wall of China, uh, because he wants the treasure below and, uh, ever, ever the entrepreneurial spirit, uh, he, he basically tricks Superman, like he wants free labor. So he tricks Superman into digging a tunnel underground <laughs> so he can get to the treasure faster. Uh, and he does this by inviting Lois and Clark and Jimmy to come to a story on the great wall. And while they're there, he sets off an explosion. And of course, Superman has to come in and rescue them and, and dig through. So he uses Clark or Superman for some, uh, some free quick labor, free, free labor. Yeah, but my favorite part of that episode is uh, it's uh, it's a like a cursed dragon that awakens and has the power to turn people into stone. And so in order to, and this is not something that I would have ever thought of as a kid watching this, but as an adult, it, I was, it made me laugh so hard. So Superman creates a Clark statue in order to protect his identity, right? So, because he's with Lois and Jimmy when when the explosion goes off, he changes into Superman, but he's got to, you know, he's got to account for Clark. So he create, knowing that the dragon turns people to stone, he creates this stone statue of Clark. And then he's like, oh, look, they turn Clark to stone. I have to go off and fight the dragon. And so we we proceed to follow Lois and Jimmy in a, like a like a bicycle and cart type of, of, of apparatus with the statue in the back. And Jimmy's biking with this stone statue of an adult male in the back. And this guy's huffing and puffing and sweat. And all I could think of was like, what a jerk Superman was like forcing <laughs> poor Jim. Jimmy, Jimmy thinks he's saving his, his friend's life by, by protecting the stone statue of him. And it's all fake. Uh, but it really made me laugh. Poor Jimmy. Poor Jimmy really, really got put through the ringer in that episode. I, that's all I could think of watching that one. Uh, <laughs> yes, and, and Anthony, in a sad fashion, to connect it to Smallville, poor Jimmy got jerked around in Smallville well, as well. Listen, that's a whole other story. But yes, he he. Uh, there, there, there. I know there are numerous instances where Jimmy gets the short end of the stick, and then one other funny thing. This was in the first episode, I believe. Oh, and let me also say, and you know, listeners heard us talk about Adventures of Superman at length, you know, over multiple episodes. Uh, but it, it definitely has that Adventures of Superman vibe in that a lot of the episodes, at least as a starting point, feature Lois, Clark, and Jimmy investigating a story. So like it really kind of taps into that, uh, which which was kind of cool, um, and especially having just come off of our our deep dive into that show it was kind of neat. Yeah, yeah, interesting. You know, did 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 Perry White or uh, Inspector Henderson make an appearance? It, did the best year? <clears throat> no Henderson, but Perry's there. Perry's there, gruff as ever. 
And, you know, more and more, because we talked about Perry uh, when we talked about Adventures of Superman. And you know what I'm kind of realizing? I think my view of Perry is actually kind of off. I think my view, my perception of Perry White is shaped so much by, I think, the exceptions to Perry. Because I grew up watching Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, and that Perry was a softer Perry, I I feel. Like, there was some gruffness, but I I feel like there was, or maybe this is just my memory of it, but I feel like there was, you know, more of a a paternal role that he played. And then he only made a couple of appearances on, on, uh, on Smallville, but that was, again, I think overall like a softer one. But watching especially watching Adventures of Superman and this cartoon and like certain other, like he is exceedingly gruff. Uh, so I think that my my view of Perry, I don't think quite matches up with the majority of the depictions. I'll say that, but he is there. Uh, but in, the, but in yeah. the first episode, this made me laugh so hard. Uh, again, just a silly little thing, but uh, Lois, once again, Lois Clark and Jimmy are in the Daily Planet news van and Lex has... Uh, created an earthquake so there's this huge crater and they fall their van falls into the into the crater and it starts to fill with lava and uh lois and jimmy you know crawl out and clark changes into superman and he helps them get the rest of the way you know up onto the road and they're like clark is still in there so we follow superman as he goes into the van and the clark kent clothes are still there so he wraps uh so you know he grabs up the clothes and then he wraps his cape around the seat cushion and uh, and he flies up and he's holding, <laughs> I don't know, the image of it just really made me laugh where uh, it looks like he's holding a dead body. I mean, it's a cushion fully <laughs> wrapped in a cape, right, to, to make it look like a, like a body. And they're like, oh, no, Clark. And he's like, it's okay. The van protected him from the lava, but he passed out. I have to get him home. And he flies off. <laughs> it, was, it just, it was really funny. But so I'll, I know I said this before, but again, I found it entertaining uh, not, you know, not, not the most engrossing experience, but entertaining, fascinating as this historical artifact. I, I do think it is regrettable. It's a shame, I think, that the show didn't go longer because I think that it was it was really a solid entry. And and I think you use this word, the ingredient, like the ingredient, a really solid <laughs> list of ingredients for this show. Yeah, I really thought in terms of, how should I say it, how organized it was. It was really well organized in terms of the talent they had behind it and in terms of the timing to say nothing of the fact that you had a network with a lot of experience with Superman. You had a production company that was preeminent. You had the creative talents from DC Comics with Wolfman and Gil Kane and Marty Pasco. I, I just, it was a, such a recipe for success. I'm just surprised it didn't have more than third. Did you in your in your research? Did you ever learn why it wasn't renewed? Was there anything? No, I didn't. Uh, disagreement I didn't, or I didn't come across uh, anything. I mean, to be honest, I didn't do the deepest dive into this, so maybe there's something that I missed. I think it was just a matter of low ratings, but I could be wrong. And if anybody knows, you know, I would be really curious to to find out. Um, yeah, it was this this weird little relic. I, I also want to give uh, you know shout out to you, Rich. You know. And this is a test, like this is classic Rich Roney. Like you were able to have this whole conversation never having watched a single episode or watching anything other than the opening credits. Uh, but you did it. And that's classic Rich uh, Roney. Well, thank you. But I'll say uh, as, and again, I'm, I'm going to reciprocate, right? We, be- we be- between the two of us, 
we have discovered new facets to this character's history. I mean, uh, to your listeners, Anthony and I had just a phenomenal discussion of the the Superman 2000 uh, proposal, which fortunately, um, um, I think we Anthony and I, we both weighed in, we're happy DC did not accept it. But we've we've uncovered a few nuggets of stuff that, to me, and listen, I've been reading comics for 55 years, stuff I never knew. Um, so no, I've, I've enjoyed it. This now I've enjoyed this immensely. Am I going to run out and get the DVD set being 65? I don't think it, you know, I'm really the audience for it. <laughs> yeah. And, and look, I, I know I said this before it, it is an eighties kids cartoon, right? And, and so I think you have to go in with that mindset. Um, I, you know, but again, entertaining, interesting. If you've never heard of it, if you've never seen it, I do recommend, uh, at least, at least watch the opening credits. Um, you know, if nothing else, those again, and those vignettes are, are really interesting. Um, now, so again, I know, you know what, what you just said, but you did watch the Superman, the Bruce Tim animated series, right? Or, or not really? Oh, God, yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I have a few um, DVD sets uh, of the Superman, the Bruce Tim, um, and then also the Justice League and the Justice League Unlimited. Yeah. Uh, I think that I. To me, uh, from an animated standpoint, they are they are the gold standard. They're they're the high point, for sure. Uh, and I and again, those I would not. I mean, I agree. I would not put those in the same category as this 1988 cartoon. I think the, you know, the Bruce Tim animated universe, uh, you know, is one of those things that I think works on multiple age levels, um, and and really is a, an exceptionally strong entry. I'm I'm actually really excited because uh, very recently HBO Max added. Um, a remastered HD version of Superman, the animated series. Um, and I, you know, I haven't watched those in a long time. I have the DVDs at, at, uh, my, my, my in-laws house. Um, so I don't even have them on me, but I'm really excited now that they're on HBO max and that they're, um, that they're remastered in, in high definition. I think it'll be pretty cool to check them out that way. Uh, we'll, we'll cover that on the podcast down the line now. So again, by the time this cartoon came out, you didn't even know about it, but you know, it was, it was the eighties. You were a, f- a fully grown adult. You were working, but when you were younger, did you watch the, um, like the filmation cartoons and yes. or super friends? Uh, I never watched the super friends. I must've been, I was definitely at a different point in my life with super friends. I, I definitely remember it was on. And I think for a while they had cartoons where like Batman and Scooby-Doo, uh, those characters were in it, but I remember in the 1960s, I think there were three three years with the Superman filmation. I think there was Superman, then there was like Superman and Aquaman Adventure Hour, and they had certain guest stars. And I remember seeing guest stars of like the Adam or Hawkman guest starring. So when I was 10 and 11 years old, absolutely. But that had like three or four years of every Saturday morning it was on like at the same time. Right. So this, and not only that, when they weren't brand new episodes, they would just rerun something you might have seen three months earlier. So I, I'm, I'm mystified that, you know, they invested so much in this. You thought, well, look, let's run it for 26 weeks, right? Or, or 39 weeks because we've already paid, you know, we've already paid the rent. Why not get some, uh, you know, u- utilization out of it? Uh, I would love to know what, well, one, why they didn't run reruns. And two, I'd be intrigued. What was it, a financial thing? Was it a licensing issue? Was it a production costs? Uh, 
as you said, ratings. I don't know if children are that discriminatory. Uh, well, it could. I, you I just know, don't know. Well, I know with cartoons, like so much of it is normally driven by toy sales. So, and actually, on that note, I'm. I, you know, I, I meant to say this. So, as you know, right, the Kenner Superpowers line of action figures is is near and dear to me. Um, but after the Kenner line, they did another a very similar line of DC figures that used a lot of the same models. Like it was, it, and they, they looked very similar. Um, and I had some of them as a kid and one of them, uh, and again, most of the figures were like almost copies of the superpowers line, but the Lex was vastly different. The Lex in this line, and I forget offhand what it was. I don't know if it was like action, action, something was the line. Oh, was it, was this the, the purple uh, suit, the green and purple? The, well, so in this version of Lex, it was just like the purple, like the purple jacket. And I think he had a kryptonite ring, which was completely removed from the superpowers uh, Lex in the green battle suit. And that's the, okay. like, I think that purple imagery is used uh, in the Superman cartoon. So I, I think that that line of figures might have had a connection to this. I, I would have to do a little more digging, but... Uh, but in any event, I mean, yeah, maybe it was uh, their merchandising, you know, opportunities weren't there or, or weren't paying the dividends they wanted. I know that's often a, a big thing with cartoons is toy sales. Yeah. The only thing I'll say, Anthony, um, as I said, I can remember going into, I forget the name of it, but there was a right next to the uh, Michigan State University. There was a really good store in East Lansing, a really good comic store. And I remember talking with, with Sco, and I remember even going to like uh, Royal Oak, Michigan, and uh, uh, some stores south of Pontiac, and there was a lot of buzz about Burns, how Burn relaunched it. So I'm surprised that they didn't, you know, there, there wasn't um, a syncing up, syncing up with uh, animated figures or action figures. It's, 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 it's kind of mysterious, but... Uh, not so mysterious that I'm going to investigate it further. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, look, I appreciate you sending me that link. You know, we ended up getting an, a little episode out of it, but also, you know, again, it, it filled in a gap in my fandom that I didn't even know I had. Uh, so, you know, I, I thank you for the, you know, for the link and thank you for joining me for, uh, for this little episode here. Is there anything else that you want to say before we sign off? No, no, I really enjoyed this. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And it, it just kind of fleshed out. Uh, I mean, I hope, I hope we continue to find more little nuggets of information uh, that we can tap into. That's the thing, you know, as, and I mean, I, I guess I'm optimistic that we will because, I, you know, I going into this podcast, I didn't never would have expected, you know, to find this cartoon. And, you know, again, that Superman 2000 pitch by Wade and Morrison and, and the others, it's like I knew it existed, but I didn't know that it was available. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, I suspect that, um, you know, things will continue to, to pop up these little gems here and there. So, uh, it's really interesting. Oh, and the last thing, uh, Wonder Woman actually guest stars in two of the episodes of this. I haven't watched those yet, but so, uh, they do at least to an extent, open it up to a wider DC universe. I don't know. It just feels like, yeah, there was a lot of potential here. I don't know what went on, but, uh, overall it does feel like a missed opportunity, but yeah, the 1988 Ruby Spears Superman cartoon. There you go. Well, listen, Rich, thank you for joining me for this. Uh, thank you to our audience for checking out this little bonus mini episode. I hope you'll keep tuning in for uh, Digging for Kryptonite and, of course, uh, for My Comic Shop Book Club and My Comic Shop History as well. Uh, we'll see you next time. And until then, remember, it's about what you do. It's about action. <laughs>